Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast, hosted by Brian Bisking. Brian started this weekly podcast to give a voice to leaders of our community, to share their story, their journey, and the lessons that they have learned along the way. Brian grew up in a small town outside of St. Louis, where he watched his father run a small business and was always interested in how the leaders in his community got where they are. Whether it's a local business leader, a philanthropist, or a celebrity, these are your STL leaders. Join us today, where we will chat with another pillar of our community on this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. And now, your host, Brian Bisking. Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. On this week's episode, we welcome Debbie Corey to the show. Before we get to this week's episode, I want to thank my sponsors. First, Synchrony HR and NWO IT Services. And now to this week's episode with Debbie Corey. Debbie Corey, welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I am so glad to be here, Brian. I, I appreciate the opportunity to talk, and it, I've seen your podcast, and they're a lot of fun, great information, so I'm so happy to be here. Yes, well, I'm glad to have you here. I, for those who are listening, Debbie and I met, geez, Debbie, how long has it been? Probably five, six years ago now, at least. Long. Um, and we got to reconnect, uh, unfortunately we reconnected at a funeral <laughs> for the unfortunate part of that, but able to have lunch a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, man, you'd be great to have on the show and just tell about your story and your business. And so I'm excited to have you on today. Thank you. It was great to reconnect. Um, and it was sad we reconnected at a funeral, but I'm so glad, uh, we got back together and we can do this today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's kind of start with your story. That's usually where I always start. Tell me about getting started in your business, growing up, and what what made you launch the business you have today? Well, I uh, started out at a partnership firm uh, about in 2016. I decided to go out on my own. I wasn't going to be a W-2 employee anymore. I was going to be in charge of my own destiny. I had a very successful practice. We were sole practitioners, so we ran our own practice, got our own clients. Um, and I love to share the story that it took 10 months to get my first client. Everybody thought I had clients, but it was 10 months before I had client number one. Wow. But what I did in the meantime, as you know, is I just went and networked like crazy. So I went to networking events. I met people, talked to people, figured out how to connect people together and that's how I became successful and got some of my clients because it, I believe in giving first. So I gave first to people and then eventually that turned around that goodwill to me. So, you know, people think it's really easy to start a business and I don't care if it's even a practice that's already established. There's a lot of work that goes into it. Oh, yes, for sure. I think we talk about on this podcast all the time, probably every single episode that when you you know meet somebody, um, your first initial thought is, "Wow, they're super successful, and I want their life," or you know, "I want I want to do what they do." And very most of the time, it did not come easily. It was there was a ton of work, a ton of networking, a ton of bumps, a ton of challenges that came across the along the way uh, to get that person where they're at. And so, 
ironically, that's what started this podcast was, uh, you know, three years ago now, I was like, you know, I'd really just love to talk to people and hear their story about how they became, you know, successful in their, in their life, in their career. And the resounding theme was it wasn't overnight. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it took a good year and a half to um, get established with my practice and I was super happy. I was really happy with my practice. And then the pandemic hit and it kind of changed everything and made me reevaluate where I was and what I was doing. And in May of 2020, I attended a seminar. I was super excited. It was virtual online. That's what everybody was doing in May. Nobody was doing in-person <laughs> events. And I was going to get to hear John Asaraf and Barbara Cochran talk. And so for you, that uh, people that don't know, Barbara Cochran is um, one of the strategists on the Shark Tank TV show. And I was super excited to hear her speak. And Johnny Asaraf talks about um, mindset. And I was like, I'm going to get to hear these people speak for over an hour each for $97. And I was really interested because the program promised to help business owners break glass ceilings. And I'm always, you know, I'm an avid lifelong learner. I was like, this will be great stuff I can take back to my clients. Well, by the end of three days, I'd actually joined. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, this stuff is really good. And I should be doing this in my own business. So I joined the program and I was super excited, super nervous because it was something new. I had the first meeting with my coach, told him, you know, my goal was to help as many business owners as possible. And I'd like to generate a seven income um, set, you know, figure for that top line. And he got really quiet. And I said, what's going on? And he goes, uh, Debbie, I, I don't know how the heck you're going to do that because at your sole practitioner practice, they don't allow you to hire employees. It's just you. How are you, how are you going to devote all that time? Well, I had never stopped long enough to even think about it, right? I was busy with my practice. I was happy with my life. I never stopped to do for myself what I do for business owners, which was figure out where how I was going to get to where I wanted to go. So our next meeting was in two weeks and I had a meeting with a coach and he says, well, Debbie, what are we going to talk about today? And I said, well, I've had a lawyer look at my contract. I've got a new name for my company that I'm going to start in November and I'm going to publish a book November 10th. And he looked at me and he goes, lock and load. races." <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, yeah, you know, just even on that topic alone, I talk to so many business owners all the time. And it's like, well, I, the resounding theme is sometimes you're working too much in the business and not necessarily on the business, right? And so it sounds like you had that epiphany when you were at that event. I did. I was very much stuck working in my business and happy doing it. And when I had an outsider help me see where my vision was and where I wanted to go, I realized I couldn't do the same things I was doing today. Yeah. I wanted to be able to help more people. And that's one of the reasons I wrote the book, because that is a great reference that we use not only for our clients, but, you know, people can buy that and use it as a reference for their own business, whether they're a new business or an established business. Absolutely. Well, tell it, tell the audience about the new business that you started back in 2020, the name and what you guys do now. Yeah. So our company is called AccuMaxim. We're a virtual CFO company for profit-driven success. We work with companies that are interested in scaling and growing businesses. So we help them get from where they are today to that big three to five year hairy goal. And we help them do it with numbers and teaching their employees about numbers and metrics because the two go together. If you don't have employees engaged in your business and share some 
um, financial information with them. Not all of it. It doesn't have to be an open book, but they need a scorecard. What are the one or two numbers that help them contribute to the profitability and the success of the business? And we have found businesses that are willing to do this get um, astronomical success because employees are engaged. Absolutely. Well, I talk, you know, obviously I'm in the HR outsourcing space and we talk about employee engagement and, you know, all that culture and all those types of things with clients all day long. And so that's, that's very, very powerful. You mentioned your book. Tell us about your book for those who are, are listening, thinking, may I want to read that? Yeah. So my book is called Loving Failure, Getting Control of Your Business Health. It's an international bestseller, number one in the United States. We're really proud of that. It was pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's always been a dream of mine to have my own book published. And so the book talks about numbers in plain English. It explains, you know, what is a balance sheet and why do you care? You know, what's a profit and loss statement? Most business owners know a profit and loss statement, but don't understand their balance sheet or, you know, their cash flow. What's a cash forecast? Why is it important? When should you increase your prices? So all kinds of different questions that business owners have. And what I love about the book is, first of all, it has color which was more expensive to print, but to me, it was worth it. It might get you to read it, right? <laughs> so we've got great hints in the book that are outlined. We've got fails in the book that um, we talk about. It has a lot of stories about um, business owners whose names and identities have been changed to protect the innocent, but um, great success stories, great failure stories. And what can you do as a business owner to help gain footing in your business? That's awesome. Well, we will put a link uh, to the book in our uh, podcast here. So you guys that are listening, if you want to check out the book, there'll be a link in the uh, in the summary of the podcast. So you guys can just click on that link. and It'll take you right to it to buy that book. But, you know, as you were talking about that answer in my question, Debbie, I got to thinking about my wife's business uh, who started a business. Well, I guess it was being about a year ago now, a year and a half ago. She my wife's a stay at home mom. She was a teacher for 11 years and uh, we had two children within about a, a <laughs> one year, a two year time period. We I have, I have two kids under the age of two. Well, actually, I shouldn't say I shouldn't say that my daughter is now two. My son is now one, but they're 11 months apart. And she was trying to find something that, you know, she could still do to bring in a little income for the house, but also, you know, have some passion around. And so she's always kind of kind of had a crafty side. And uh, so she started basically screen printing T-shirts, custom T-shirts for people, you know, concerts, Cardinals games, you name it. She was doing everything. But we had, you know, I've been in sales my whole life. I don't know how to necessarily run a business. I, I can help you with HR and benefits and payroll and things like that. But I, I don't know how to run a business. And so we had this epiphany probably... I don't know, six to eight months ago, where it was like, okay, well, you you actually have a business here. She was doing like $4,000 a month in sales, uh, but we were losing money every single month. I was like, how is this possible? How are we losing money when you have that amount of money in sales? And so I had to turn to a friend of mine who was able to, you know, he, he was an accountant, he was a finance guy, and he really sat us down. And now, long story short, we have dissolved the business because it was taking too much of my wife's time away from our children. And it was like, hey, let's just pause this for a couple of years until the kids get older, and then then we can started back up, but it's, it's, it's ironic that you kind of talk about that in your book, because I feel like there's a lot of businesses, small businesses, especially who really have an idea or really have a business, but don't know how to necessarily turn the corner, right? Necessarily know how to take it from a, from a good business to a great business and making that profitable year over year. And so it sounds like your book and, and your counseling and your, your guidance can really help businesses do that. Yeah. And we talk about the fact that um, you can make money, but if you have too much debt, you're not going to have any cash. So people get really scared about debt and there's good debt and bad debt, right? I always tell people if if it's like buying a car, right? If you need equipment for your business, finance it. Don't 
pay cash up front, keep some of that cash for yourself. But there's also bad debt out there. You know, there are people that have very high interest rates and make it easy to get money, but you've got to make sure what you're paying back in the long run. So there are great ways to finance. So lots of different ways that businesses can finance. The book talks about that too, because a lot of people don't know there's grants available at the state and federal level. You may qualify, especially if you're starting a new business because they want to encourage new businesses. There's also... Um, Lots of startup business help that you can normally get in your local community. St. Louis is still recognized as ninth or 10th in the nation as a startup community, entrepreneurial community. And that's huge. Yeah, You know, we have programs like Arch Grants here and all kinds of competitions where um, you can compete with other people and get money that doesn't have to be paid back to be used in your business. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's, yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. And for those that are listening, I would definitely reach out to Debbie or read her book and, and connect with her on, on ways that can help you in your business. Let me talk to you a little bit about, you know, Ballpark Village. I, I know you've moved into Ballpark Village. I'm a huge Cardinals fan. Uh, for those who don't know that, uh, we were supposed to grab lunch actually a few, I guess it was about a month or two ago downtown and they were doing a I don't remember what you said they were doing there do some kind of safety training inside Bush Stadium. They had basically Ballpark Village all shut down. But I was curious, you know, from your perspective, your finance experience, your accounting experience, and obviously having an office there in Ballpark Village. How do you see the city of St. Louis um, coming along, I guess, is is the right way to ask that question. You know, I know there's been a lot of crime and, and things along those lines, but I personally love the actual city of St. Louis. I'm a huge fan of our city. I'll be there Saturday night for Luke Combs at Bush Stadium, by the way. Um, and so I'm just curious, as as you see the city continuing to transform, do you see that, you know, they're investing money in, in revitalizing the city? I do see it. Um, you see cranes downtown. When you see cranes, that's always a good sign in a downtown community. I think one of the things that gets blown out of um, proportion is our crime percentages, because a lot of larger metropolitan areas have included the county. And because we have this unique situation where the, the city and the county are separated, um, St. Louis County only has about half a million people in residency. So when they're doing those stats, it's only around half a million, not the greater St. Louis area. So I think um, sometimes you've got to look at numbers rather than percentages because percentages can blow things out of proportion depending on what you're looking at. I see the city as being revitalized. Um, I just um, got to spend a weekend down at the Foundry where they've got great new small businesses in there, plus the restaurants. It's really amazing. I encourage you to go and support your local businesses down there. It was a lot of fun. I did putt-putt golf and actually got two holes in one. I haven't played it in probably eight, 10 years. It was so much fun. But I see it as St. Louis, like I said, we're top nine or 10 in entrepreneurialism. We're a growing community, so we have a big, huge advantage, and I think we need to see how we can keep more college graduates here and younger people here and keep them engaged in our communities. Yeah, no, that's I couldn't agree with you more, and I actually was talking to a, a, a gentleman who owns MB Technologies here in St. Louis. His name is Ryan Mortland, and we were talking about very similar, uh, you know, these, these stats come out and scares everybody from downtown, but if you look at actually the pockets, and even if you look just at the city of St. Louis, there's two really small pockets of the city of St. Louis where like 90% of the crime actually happens in the city. And so to your point, uh, I was in Denver last week for work meeting with one of my sales reps out there. And, and this topic came up with some people we were meeting with. And I said, look, you can't just lump the whole section of St. Louis and the county and everything into this category because 
it it doesn't give it actual factual statements. And so um, I'm glad to hear that you think it's coming back and revitalizing up my mom. I grew up where my mom worked for AT&T downtown, the building that now sits empty uh, over on 10th and Pine. And uh, I, you know, I know that's been bought now and and they're hoping to turn that into an apartments and some um, business as well. So hopefully it continues to move in the right direction and we can uh, bring our city back because I think it's, it's vital to our success here as a community. Well, you know, Ballpark Village has bought a lot of um, not only the apartments downtown, but new um, restaurants. I was really excited. Katie's is down there now, down there, and we've seen new restaurants go into the ballpark. So it's been really exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Let's shift gears just just a little bit. Let's talk about networking. We mentioned that here in the very beginning of the show. Uh, Talk to me about how you got kind of started in networking, your philosophy in networking, and how you continue to network even today. Well, I got to tell you, I did it all wrong when I first started out. So <laughs> sort of there there's hope for everyone, right? So, you know, I used to be interested in the number of cards I could meet and the number of handshakes I could do. I didn't understand that networking was really about developing relationships and relationships take time. You know, I am what's called a do it person, right? I, I always want to get right to it and get things done. And networking isn't like that. So I had to learn to ask questions of people and not do a lot of talking. So one of the things I learned is when you want to do sales and make connections with people, you need to shut up and listen. You don't need to be talking about your services. You don't need to be talking about what it is you do. You need to ask interesting questions of people so that they know you're sincerely interested in in what it is they do. And it took me 10 months to figure that out, Brian. I can't tell you how many events I went to and I did it wrong, right? But I love going to networking events because I never know who I'm going to meet or what I'm going to learn. And I think if you approach them that way, you'll have a lot more fun and be less nervous. Because I have people tell me all the time, I hate networking. Well, (laughs) then you're doing it wrong. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, I, I got to give a little credit to Jim Canada, who is the gentleman's funeral that we unfortunately had to go to uh, late last year. I uh, He was a, a boss of mine, a mentor of mine uh, for many years. And uh, same, same with you. I, you know, before I met Jim, I did networking all wrong, too. I thought networking was trying to get that person's business. You know, I would ask a CEO to go to lunch to try to get his business and use the word networking as the as the way to get that meeting. Uh, and then when I met Jim, I very, very early on realized, whoa, I'm doing this way wrong. This is all about trying to help others and build relationships right. with others. And, you know, goes back to the book, The Giver's Gain. And and um, now when I go meet somebody from a networking perspective, you know, they'll say, well, what about you? And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. we're not meeting because of me. I'm meeting to see how I can help you. What, what What's going on in your world? Who can I help you connect with? Who can I put you in partnership with? Because I've learned over the 10 plus years now that I've been doing networking the right way uh, is that it all comes back to me somewhere, somehow in the long run anyway. And it may not be business, but it could just be building a friendship. It could be building a relationship. It could be helping another small business. And although I'm not necessarily, quote unquote, getting business out of that, it's still very instrumental to our community in St. Louis. And one of the reasons I started this show was to just give back to our community. And so I think about if you go about the right way. It, it will pay you off so many times more and it might be in a different way than you're necessarily thinking, but I think it's very powerful. I think it's incredibly powerful and networking isn't just for business. It's for friendships. It's for charities. It's for community. Yes. And I think if you approach it that way, it, it's super important. 
You know, one of the reasons I got into my business is I believe that if business owners can create the environment that they want and the companies that they want and the income that they want, they contribute greatly to our community. They hire employees. Employees are, you know, a huge part of our community. And that is all a, a circle of life, honestly, if it's done right, because those employees and those business owners can contribute and help other people in our community when they need it. Yeah. And when we become self-sustaining communities like that, there's less government involvement and everybody's happier. And I just believe that we can do that in so many different ways. And so that connectivity that we don't teach our kids about, and I think it's super important, we need to teach them how to network properly and how to communicate with each other so that we can continue those great cycles. Yeah, it's so funny you bringing this up. I was with my CEO of my company last week in Denver. And we were talking about his son and he, he'd probably get mad if I, I told this story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Uh, we were talking about his son. His son just graduated college and they were talking about something. And and uh, he said to his dad, he said, you mean I have to pick up the phone and call that person? I can't just do it over chat? And he was like, no, you, you may actually have to pick up the phone and call him. And I thought to myself that with the technology we have today and now AI and chat GBT and all this, we're getting away from that that connectivity that you're, that you're referencing. And I couldn't agree with you more. It's so powerful just to be able to connect with somebody and learn about them and and hear their story and develop a, a relationship. Uh, it it can go a long, long way. And so I'm uh, I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, networking. You know, when I get a network now, it's fun. Yeah, especially with the pandemic for me. Um, I was sheltered during the pandemic. I was in a high risk group, and so until they could get things sorted out, I was home all the time, like yeah. all the time. And I'm an extrovert. It about killed me. <laughs> so, you know, being able to go out and network and talk to people and just have that human connection, so important. And we're seeing that in our kids too, that got stuck home for those two years. Yeah. They miss that and they're trying to reconnect and gain some of that back. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that leads me right into leadership. I think uh, leadership and networking, you know, ironically kind of go hand in hand. Talk to me about your views on leadership, how you lead your current organization, um, and really where you learn to become a great leader. You know, I had some great mentors um, in my career. And I think the first thing I learned is leadership is not the same thing as being a business owner. They're two different things when you're when you're dealing with them. And leadership, you don't have to have all the answers. And I think that's really important to remember because if you have an engaged team, they're going to help you figure out what the answers are. You're in charge of the vision of the company and how you want that vision to work. But when it comes to problem solving, when you go down to the team members that are actually um, working with the things and the tools that and the problems that you want to solve, you'll get better engagement and better solutions from the bottom up rather than the top down. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I, um, I always use the phrase, you can be a manager, but you're not necessarily a leader. Um, you know, part of this podcast, the reason it got started was just to highlight some of the great leaders we have in our community that people can lean on and get mentorships from and, and things along those lines. There's, there's several people who've been on this show that have been a mentor of mine and gave given me advice over the, over my years in my career. And so, 
Um, I think leadership is very powerful, but it's something that cannot that can also be learned. You don't you necessarily have to be a born leader, but you can learn to be a leader. And there are absolutely naturally born leaders out there as well. But um, I think we we need more leaders here in St. Louis that that step up and take the young the, the young entrepreneurs and the young uh, aspiring leaders under their wing and, and try to help guide them and, and and get them on the right path of of true leadership. Because to your earlier point, the more leaders we have in this community, the less government involvement we have, and the better this community will be here in St. Louis. And so I think leadership is very much needed here in the community. I, I couldn't agree more. And we have to develop our young leaders. And that development is going to be different than it was when I was growing up or even when you were growing up, because they all learn differently. And we're, we have all these great ways to communicate. And the question is, when does it need to be in person or on the phone? And yep. when is it OK just to be, you know, with email or, or texting? So I think there's some great AI out there. There's great technology out there. And um, we need to embrace that too, because when younger people show me new tech, I'm all excited. <laughs> I can't wait to learn about it. So I use them for that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Debbie, I always end this podcast by asking my guests to leave me with a piece of advice. And so whether that advice be on business, entrepreneurship, the city of St. Louis, personal pleasure doesn't matter. You can leave us with anything you'd like, but if there's one piece of advice you could leave us with today, what would it be? I think the one piece of advice I would give people is let your light shine. So there are so many times that, you know, somebody will give us a compliment or acknowledge us and we don't allow them the grace to acknowledge that compliment or what they've shown us. We push it off or we say, oh, you know, don't say that or I didn't really work that hard. Don't say that. Acknowledge your light. You're allowed to do that. And, you know, it gives them grace. No, I think that's fantastic advice. I'll be honest, I've had over 100 people on this show and I've never heard, uh, I've never been given that advice before. So thank you for sharing that. Um, I like that. Let, you know, let you be, let your light shine. And it's uh, that's a good piece of advice. So on behalf of myself and the STL Leaders podcast, Debbie, thank you for being a great STL leader. Thank you for coming on this show and sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me, Brian. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs>